Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. started yet hello <laughs> yes it started i believe it started good evening and welcome to tuesday night seven o'clock this is me jonathan styano consultant plastic surgeon live q a if you've got any questions about plastic surgery related items please feel free to ask me i have got some that people have asked already and i'm very grateful to those people so thank you all for supporting me and continuing to ask great questions which is keeping me going if you're wondering what uh, what is expected of you, well, it's this, right? Please comment and share. Feel free to comment and share um, and participate as you see fit. You don't have to if you don't want to, actually. You can just watch it. It's just the fact that you're being here is good enough. Um, but if you do want to comment and share, then please do. Oh, look, we're in. We're in. Look at this. Khan's in. Hi, Khan. Olivia's in. Hi, Olivia. Um, so uh we've got this becomes a podcast every week if you're into podcasts i'm just getting into podcasts myself actually i see just i've been doing it for a while now in the car I used to be audiobooks podcasts at the moment uh we also got a youtube channel where we put it on youtube and try and chunk up the questions so there's individual questions so you have to scroll through the whole um the whole lot if you if you want to um go on you and there's other stuff on youtube as well um you know, great, great content on YouTube. Um, right, so let's do this. Right, straight in at number one. Can you explain knee lifts? Knee lifts explained, please. Oh, God. Knee lifts explained, please. Recovery, pain, scarring, does it include the back of the knee too, or is that included in the thigh lift? I'll tell you what, it's better here, isn't it? Last week I did it in theatre. What a disaster that was less said about that the better i don't know why you brought it up to be quite honest with you goodness me get on dropping out i think it was get on saying low whatever it was sort of signal or something so this is what we want a bit of stability um so knee lifts explain right well to be honest with you um so i think what's happened here is like um someone said oh what about, what about knee lift um does it does it what was it um does does a knee lift sort of lift the, the front of the knee or something and then um i think sally was saying well it's normally the back of the knee and it's all oh, it's back as well the the bottom line is knee lifts aren't really a thing that is the bottom line there isn't a thing called a knee lift uh so it's it's a bespoke thing there is not a price list for knee lifts. It doesn't say, right, knee lifts are this. So knee lifts are not a uh, uh, a standard thing. A, a knee lift is just a thing that you you could envisage what someone might be um, talking about when they say a knee lift, but it is not a standard procedure. Uh, the usual thing, or to be honest, knee stuff is not that usual. There's not that much around the knee that's required. But if it, it, I suppose more the usual than anything in the knee is a little bit of fat medial to the knee 
medial and just behind the knee. So sort of on the inside of the knee, there's often, um, or sometimes not often, uh, a, fat, a fatty bulge there, which can respond to liposuction. It's one of the areas that does respond well to liposuction. Uh, and often that's all that's needed, some liposuction to that bit of uh, fat there. Um, I think the question last week was, the thigh lift does it affect the knee or do, does it does it and, and i said i think i said no i don't know if you got that because it was all cutting off all over the place um but no a thigh lift doesn't really have a significant effect on the knee but as i say the the usual thing for a for a knee is is a bit of lipo medially if there's a fatty bulge if there is significant redundant skin around the knee i guess and i'm just saying that i guess you could take some of that skin out and i guess you could call that a knee lift um I'd be very careful about doing that, especially around the front of the knee um, because of the tension. Because particularly if you sort of straighten your knee and think, look, all this skin I've got here. But then you bend your knee and all that skin becomes tight, um, a bit like the hand. People say, oh, look at all this skin I've got. You know, they've got a tattoo on their hand. So look, you can cut a big bit of tattoo out of my hand. But then you make a fist and all the skin on the back of your hand goes tight because the skin needs to be loose in order for your body to move. So um uh, if you did something around the knee, you'd have to be very careful about not doing too much wounds, breaking down, um, making it feel tight, difficult walking because because of the scar. And so I'd be very wary to be quite brutally honest with you about doing things like that. Um, uh, so so the answer is, can I explain knee lifts? No, they're not a thing. Uh, can you remove skin from the knee? Yes, you can. Um I'd probably, if any, if anywhere, be more comfortable doing it around the back of the knee um, uh, for two reasons. One, the wound wouldn't be under so much tension, but also the scar would be hidden better, you know, a scar on the front of the knee. Because the knee is a cosmetically sensitive area. Uh, it is an area that you might potentially want to show off. And if you say, oh, well, no, it isn't. I don't mind. I don't want to show it off. You feel like saying, well, then don't have it if you don't mind about having the skin there. So the fact that the skin there means you obviously concerned about showing your knee and if you traded the skin for a scar i would be concerned that maybe the scar would also be something you didn't like showing off and so you haven't really helped that person if you've cured one problem but created another one so yes bit of liposuction medially if there's any skin to excise i would aim to try and hide the scar around the back of the knee but obviously you put the scar where the skin is so if the skin at the front of the knee i'd be wary about taking that skin out to be honest but it's something you have to sort of do on a case-by-case -case bespoke basis. Oh, what's going on here? I want a perfect leg. Good God, there's an emoji of a leg. Leg emoji. Um, Demi Moore had a knee lift. <laughs> All right, okay. All right, well, there you go. There is a knee lift then, isn't it? Because Demi Moore had one. All right, there you go. I knew I should have Googled knee lift before I started. Okay, well, there, well, there. Well, okay. Well, I don't know what it is then. In that case, um, she probably had a bit of skin removed from somewhere around the knee. Hi, Tracy. Nice to see you here this evening. Good evening yourself. Uh, you're wrapped up warm, bit, bit chilly. Be quite honest with you in here. Been... Um, right, this is a good one now. We've got, we've got some photos now. So I wonder if I should put a warning up. There are some photos um, of, of breasts. So if you've got children in the room, um, maybe... I'd, I'm hoping I'm okay showing they've 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 um very kindly made a mark over the nipples so the nipples aren't shown so hopefully I won't get banned from Facebook but I can't maybe I should do this question last in case they ban me because they ban you instantly when you show a nipple but anyway that I'm pretty 
I will make sure there's no nipples on show, but there are bare breasts with nipples um, blurred out. So warning. Um, so question. Hello, I'm looking for advice on revision and a quote, please. Last September, I refused. Oh, sorry, I received 450 cc implants when we agreed 350 cc. It is now bottoming and the surgeon has completely ignored me, not taking any responsibility. I've attached pictures. It's only notable when I lie down or when I raise my arms or tense. Um, so that's a funny one, isn't it? We agree. Um, we agreed on 350 and he gave me 450. Personally, I I used to do this thing with uh, implants where I would say, look, we'll we'll try, you know, we'll order two or two or three sets and, you know, um, see what what's what. I don't do that anymore. I just order one set. Unless it's an asymmetry, I order one set. And we say, look, that's what we will we'll agree on, what the right implant in, and we'll, we'll just use that one. Because I think anytime you use any sort of discretion or something during theatre, especially 350 to 450, is um, it's, 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 it's dangerous. So um, especially if you didn't say, look, I'm going to order a 350 and a 450, and I'm going to make a decision in theatre. It's a bit weird if that, that, what, that discussion wasn't had. But anyway, I can't. I'm obviously, one side of the story. So can't um anyway that's not even the question so i don't know why i'm going on about it so uh right so we've got some um, we've got some photos here um so you've got the disclaimer okay so children out of the room yeah clear okay right this is um oh i've got to see right okay hold on <laughs> hold on a minute this is um Yes, I've got an idea. I know what I'm going to do. It's okay. It's okay. I know what I'm doing. Um, it's not a problem. Right. This is a professional outfit. And it's just, right, it's not a problem. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show the photos now. So if you stand by, um, I will just do that presently. So uh, everything all right then? Good. So, what's that? You want the photos? Okay, right, fine, no problem at all. I will do that because I have prepared. I prepared, but I was going to do it a different way, but I just thought of a better way of doing it now. Where are the photos? So, um, right, so this patient has bottoming out, which she's worried about. Bottoming out is difficult to fix. To be honest with you, all, well, not all but revision surgery is difficult and uh, revision breast surgery when there's problems with implants when the pocket's not right is very difficult to fix so that's the first thing i'd say um and so you've got to be um sure i mean not sure but you've got to think why are you um doing it sort of is it worth doing sort of thing um so how bad is the problem, um, as in, is it worth doing anything to fix it? That's the first thing to say. And the second thing to say is it's always best to stick with your original surgeon. I always say that they know what they did. They've got a vested interest to get it right. And um, they are probably best placed to treat you. But this patient is saying that the surgeon is ignoring them. So that's not great. So here we go. So um, using a bit of technology here. Right. Okay. That's pre-op. Um, this patient's had an augmentation mastopexy, so a, a breast lift with um, with implants. So 
look at that that's post-op look at this technology so you can see uh fold here and then beneath the fold uh the implant and when she raises her arms this is arms up here uh, when she raises her arms um, you can clearly see the um, the fold here the implants descended below the inframemory fold uh, this is the inframemory fold here uh, and if you put a line across um, you get to sort of this area here um, can you do like drawing on it and stuff anyway so that 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 that's the issue so this is bottoming out now the upper pole is good i'm presuming the patient's happy with the upper pole um certainly if you look at these photos here you have a nice upper pole um and it's the particularly on this left side there's a problem with this uh this this extra fold and the bottoming out so that is so first of all thank you very much for allowing me to show you photos i think it is helpful to see the um see the problem and um it's it's a it's a difficult bottoming out is a difficult problem once your pocket it's, it's a pocket issue and once the pocket has um is is not right it's hard to make it right because the pocket always wants to go back to what it was sort of thing well there's always a risk at least of the pocket going back to where it was and there's a risk of overcorrecting the pocket and making the implant sit too high so um it's difficult surgery in order to do something about that so um the two problems is one is the implant has has gone has descended but also can you see this um can you see this line here uh so that it's descended but th there's this line here and what that line is is um probably the you can't really see it but the fold's quite high oh i've got to back out the fold is probably quite high um and uh that is the old fold which has been lowered by uh, the surgery and it's given that line and that's a real uh, a really difficult problem to correct so um so your, your question is my implants are too big and what is it and they are bottoming out can you help so um the fact that they're too big yeah you can make them smaller you can have smaller implants that's fine that's just going to affect the size of your breasts um the the fact that they're bottoming out is a more difficult problem and that's something that would have to be done to the pocket so you need a revision the implants will be surrounded with a scar tissue um which is the capsule and so that capsule would need to be manipulated in terms of stitched back down to recreate the fold at the right place to make the implants sit higher so it wasn't sitting low on that side the problem that you've got with that 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 uh hint of the old inframammary fold still being there um and that uh, uh sometimes they call it a waterfall deformity the sort of the breast falling off that so you've got your natural breast off it and the and the implant sitting lower uh, is accentuating the defect so you've got you have got bottoming out the fold is lower on that side but you've also got this waterfall deformity of the um uh, of the old inframammary fold um giving that breast a sort of double the, the accentuating the double bubble look uh and that is a really difficult problem to correct and I, I wish I knew the answer to that one. If someone else was doing a Facebook Live q and I think I might go on it and ask that and ask that question. Um, I've tried a few things. Doing a lift, this patient's already had a lift. Um, redoing the lift, maybe. Uh, fat grafting can help, can help to fill it in. Um, I've tried revising. Uh, it's a difficult problem. Um, probably the sort of easiest i guess i don't want to use the, the easiest in terms of sort of least downside 
Um, not easiest in terms of technical, but the you know least downside, I guess, would be fat grafting to try and get some volume in to get that lower pole a bit more rounded and to get a bit of fat into this area here, um, into this 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 area here, so that there's a bit more of a rounded look, like there is on this side, this nice rounded look here, uh, to try and get a bit of fat into that defect. But you know, always tell people with fat grafting, difficult. Fat can go in either side, make the accent, make the defect look worse, and uh, it's a difficult problem. Bottom line, but um, my view is uh, do something to the pocket to, to to close the pocket down. What we call a capsulography, where you actually stitch the capsule together with um, uh, long-term dissolving sutures. Um, really nail that down to make the inflammatory fold look right, <clears throat> and then. Uh, either accept that that waterfall deformity if it depends on the, how much the waterfall deformity bothers you the, the capsulography would um, help the uh, bottoming out but it wouldn't help the waterfall deformity if the waterfall deformity bothered you i would say probably fat grafting is best bet but it might not completely uh, completely um solve it it might always still be a bit there tricky one tricky one um but thanks for asking that question um oh my god Oh my God, what's going on here now? Virgin, Brenda, what are you doing to me, Brenda? Virgin laser. Virgin laser. What's Virgin laser, Brenda? How effective is it or too early to tell? Oh, you know what, Brenda, it's too early to tell with a Virgin. Um, the, the jury's out still with a Virgin, Brenda. Uh, Brenda, I don't know what the Virgin is. Sorry. Sorry about that. Clearly, I'm a professional. I'm just going to Google it while we speak. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what can I say about the Virgil laser, Brenda? Um, well, you know, what can I say about it? It's it really, you know, what it is, is um, obviously it's the Aconia Zerona Z6, full body fat loss treatment that allows clients to target areas of stubborn fat. And it's the first laser specifically designed for body contouring. I mean, applied externally, the laser targets excess fat by emulsifying fatty tissue through the use of cold laser technology developed by Erconia. Right, there you go. There we go. That's what the... Um... Oh, sorry, no. <laughs> oh, God. That's the Zerona lipo layer. That's the wrong one. Okay, that's the that's the wrong one. Right, the, is, it, is it the wrong one? That's the Zerona lipo. What's the Virgil? I click the one. The Virgil. Okay. Oh, sorry, Brenda, I thought you were talking about the Aconia Zorona. Okay, so Brenda, the Virgil laser, it, well, basically what that is, is a new revolutionary technology designed for the most adv advanced non-invasive body contouring treatment for laser sculpting. Um, so that's what the Virgil is. So, um, yeah. Okay. I don't know, Brenda. I don't know. You know what, Brenda? You might have heard me talk about these things. There's all sorts of things. And goodness knows, anytime there's all sorts of things to do something, I mean, there's no good way of doing it. Uh, I mean, the classic is the freezing, um, freezing the fat. Then you've got the heating the fat with, which is usually with the rate. Well, not usually with, you can heat the fat with radio frequency. I'm guessing this laser is going to be doing the same sort of thing. Is going to do that, is going to be giving energy to the fat, to heat the fat, to destroy the fat. They're all doing the same thing. All these non-surgical lipo sculpting or, or whatever they call them uh, are doing the same thing delivering energy to the fat whether it be hot or cold to kill the fat um, without having to sort of 
put uh, put put a put a, a, a liposucker in or, or do a, do surgery. And the principle is that the fat is more susceptible than the skin. So that's why you don't kill the skin. Um, so the principle of all of them is this, is similar. I wouldn't say the same because I'll probably tell you that theirs is revolutionary. But, you know, the general principle is similar of all of them. Um, and the technology sounds great. And you go and talk to them and you talk to the people who make the lasers and the radio frequencies and the freezing and all that. They sounds great. Fantastic. Yeah, we cool it to this temperature, heat it to this temperature. Fantastic. Great. Uh, science sounds um, reasonable. Um, but it's just the practice. You know, it's the practice. I'm going to click on this now, Brenda, and I'm going to have a look at the results. Let's have a look at the results. Um, so on the Virgin, um, here we go. So oh, that's good. It's good. Cellulite. Do you know what cellulite is a nightmare? The problem with cellulite is let's have a look. I can't. Oh, here we go. The problem with cellulite is that if you do something that creates swelling, that will help cellulite because cellulite is puckering of the of the skin due to little uh, fibers that are tethering the skin down to the underlying structures. And so the fat in between those fibers, if that gets bigger, that makes gives you the puckering. Um, I've got to allow to verify I'm not a robot. OK. It's a bit dodgy. Annual visitor survey. What the heck? Oh God, what's happened there? Jeez, we just entered into a competition. Wait, hold on a minute. Brenda, what have you done to me? This is, I've been, oh, I'm not clicking that again. Right, okay. <laughs> right, well, that's dodgy. The before and after photos is a dodgy. Um, so you've got to be careful looking at before and after photos of cellulite. Anyway, the the, the photos, the, the snippets I can see are cellulite. Um, uh so you'll be careful because swelling will help cell it will make cellulite but it will look better if you do swelling in the tissues it will make so if you do something that's traumatic to the body and cause some swelling it might make the cellulite look better but is it the thing you know so if the results are taken too soon post-op it might be a bit of swelling and there's a result here of a tummy tuck goodness me um am i can i show that am i gonna get in trouble if i show the thing on this camera um anyway um, but it just looks like they just tucked the tummy into her pants, to be honest, uh, if you ask me. Um, although maybe, I mean, that, 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 that patient is not a candidate for non-surgical. I'm going to show you. I'll show you. All right, here we go. Uh, her, I mean, she's not a candidate for non-surgical treatment, I would say. She needs a tummy tuck or, or nothing, you know. The after, it looks like she's got a tummy tucked into her pants um these cellulite ones this one and this one look good um but it, but it, it might be swelling or it might be it might be good if you i see what if you find a cure for cellulite you then you're you know you're away uh this is good this is a good one here um if that if that is due to the to the machine that's a good one so but you don't know what's happening between have they been to the gym a lot and have a personal trainer I, i'm not saying that I, i'm not i just don't know i don't know brenda i just don't know um i you know, it's difficult to get through the the hype. And for me, you, I do know that surgical gives a great result. But I also know that people want non-surgical and it's a huge industry. And I would like to get behind non-surgical treatments. But I can't at the moment because I can't find a good one. Maybe Virgil's a good one, but they've got to sort out that link when you click the before and after photos rather than taking to a dodgy um, prize winning site. So, um 
yeah, that's where I am with uh, with non-surgical lipo sculpturing. Uh, nice idea. Um, Olivia, that looks scary. I think Olivia is talking about the bottoming out. Yeah, how often does bottoming out happen? Very well. Um, it's not. It's very pretty rare, to be honest with you, Olivia. Um, it's it's not a common thing. But it's a th it's definitely a thing. But it's not common, so I wouldn't be massively worried about it. But it is it is a thing. Um, I don't see it very often, to be honest. I've had it once in my experience, and that was with a lift and implants, like this patient has had. Um, so it's not like it's sort of happening all the time. Yeah, Brenda Simmer, I think that, yeah, we gave a good shot, gave it a good shot. Yeah, with a non-surgical, I did give it a good shot with a non-surgical at Olympia, I did. Uh, but, you know, I can't see it going away, the non-surgical, so maybe I need to readdress it. I don't know, maybe Virtu or Virgu or whatever's a thing. Um, who knows? Who knows? Right, let's get this question up. There we go. Let's get this party started. Why? Um, my question is, would the surgeon recommend using the nipple graft technique during a breast reduction? I like this question um, and I, I, I like them all. I mean, I like the virtue one, virtue one, and I liked, you know, they've all been good questions. So I'm not going to single out any one question. Uh, so this is equally good um, compared to the others. Uh, it's a bit like saying, um, would you recommend having implants under the muscle or um would you recommend a mini tummy tuck you know it's a bit like you know they're different techniques to do things and a free nipple graft is a technique of doing a breast reduction and it is good for certain cases so it's not like would you recommend a nipple graft technique i wouldn't recommend a nipple graft technique for every breast reduction no i wouldn't a nipple graft technique is a breast is, is a technique for a very big breast reduction and i've got to say having said it's a bit like the, the you know the other things we all have our preferences um, based on our experiences. And I don't, I, I just don't like the nipple graft technique. I do use it for men who have got quite a totic breast, who have got, have got like gynecomastia and got a lot of extra skin if you're moving the nipple a long way. Because when you move a nipple, you have to keep it on a pedicle. And it's okay when you're doing a breast reduction, keeping it on a pedicle, keeping it on a stalk. So it's okay keep leaving a bit of volume behind when you're doing a breast reduction, but that perhaps wouldn't be quite so good in a man. So in a man, I'd have a lower threshold to do a free nipple graft than I would in a woman. Uh, and in a woman, I would want to, it to be quite a long uh, pedicle, so very droopy breasts if they're sitting very low, you know, if they're sitting, you know, 35, 36 centimeters from the sternal notch, then you know you're gonna to have to move them a long way. You're gonna, you know, you're, you're moving them 10 to, you know, or more, maybe up to 15 centimeters from the sternal notch. So when you move it a long, a long way, you know that pedicle is gonna be really long. And the longer the pedicle, the more chance the blood won't get to the end of the pedicle and that nipple might die if the blood doesn't get to the end of the pedicle. So you might be better off taking the nipple off and put it back on as a graft. So it tastes like a skin graft. So, um, on a very big one, I guess I might say, look, I'm just going to do a free nipple graft because, you know, that might be the safest. Uh, or sometimes if the nipple's looking dubious, well, not sometimes, I've never done, actually done this. But anyway, you could potentially, if nipple was looking dubious, like it wasn't getting enough blood supply or actually worse, um, getting too much blood. Getting too much blood will actually kill a nipple uh, is is a, is a uh, more common cause of death of nipple than not getting enough blood because the blood comes in through the arteries, which pump it in through high pressure, and it goes out through the veins. And it's the veins that are more likely to be a problem than the arteries. 
So if the veins aren't working properly, the artery pumps blood in, but it doesn't come out, which is why the nipple goes purple. Um, uh, whereas if it was an arterial problem, the nipple would go white. So it usually the nipple goes purple because it has too much blood venous congestion. And um, so if it looks that way, uh, there's an argument to say you could take the nipple off at the end of the operation and put it back on as a free graft. They do, they, you know, they do tend to take, they maybe not obviously, but they won't have any sensation of free nipple graft. And it also lacks projection of the nipple. The nipple often doesn't stick out as much as you'd like with a free nipple graft. So you'd have to accept those things that the sensation will be gone and the, and the nipple projection might be an issue. And sometimes you get issues with pigmentation, hypopigmentation. So instead of the nipple uh, and the areola being pigmented sort of brownie color, it can be, there can be white patches when you do a free nipple graft. But it's, as I say, it's usually for a massive breast reduction. Um, so you might be comfortable accepting these limitations in terms of the benefits you're going to get from the surgery. So on a personal level, I don't particularly like it, but it is sometimes necessary for a very big re breast reduction. And perhaps some other plastic surgeons would use it more freely than I would. But I think m most slash all plastic surgeons would agree that it would really be for a massive breast reduction, not for your standard breast reduction. So it's definitely a technique, but it's something that you probably want to um, uh, you want to leave for a, a massive one. Well, hold on a minute. Olivia's in. Olivia's straight in. Um, thanks for that question. So, Olivia, uh, 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 what's the smallest size breast? Uh, what's the smallest size breast implant size? Uh, let's have a look, Olivia. So. Smallest size you're looking at. I mean, it'll be different with the different makes. Here we go, 45 cc's. Polytech make a 45 cc implant. That looks like the smallest. So really, 55 cc, 45, 50. So around 50 cc's is going to be the smallest. Really, um, the smaller sizes maybe would be involved in more of an asymmetry, perhaps. Um, Smallest size I would use or I have used is probably may may have used around 80 to 100 cc's. Not very often. It's not very often you use small sizes, but um, so it's, it's rare to use an implant less than 100 cc's. Um, but uh, it's um, it's certainly, you know, not outside the realms. If someone's very slim and got small breasts and just want a small enhancement. And when you think about it, when you do fat grafting, that's the sort of volume you're looking at putting in 50 to 100 cc's so that just shows you that you know having said that pretty much no one has that size implant that's why fat grafting often needs to be repeated because you that's the sort of volume you can put in or at least i can put in sometimes some people might be able to put in more but that's as much as i can do in my hands but thank you olivia nice question it's going well very sedate this oh it's nice isn't it right Right, here we go, here we go, here we go. Controversial. How do I know my surgeon's a plastic surgeon? A big one, it says here, a big one. One of our ladies is having an FDL. This is the question, by the way. Uh, that's fleur de um, tummy tuck. basically a big tummy tuck. It's all inverted T-shaped scar, so it's a, it's a big op. Uh, on the NHS, that's uh, National Health Service. Uh, and the surgeon isn't on the GMC register as a plastic surgeon. We found lots of info about him, but nothing to say he's a plastic surgeon. What else can we check? 
I've enclosed a photo. So um, I've seen the photo and uh, yes, you are absolutely right. I, I, I genuinely do, um, um, uh, pity is the wrong word. What's the right word? I'm gonna say pity, pity people. Um, I don't really pity them, but you know, pity people keep on using it now, uh, who have to have surgery now because it is really hard to find whether someone's a plastic surgeon or not. You think that should be so what it should be so easy. I was talking at a meeting yesterday about um, setting up private practice and things. I was saying people can call themselves a plastic surgeon and not be a plastic surgeon. And you might think, what? How can they do that? Who's gonna do anything about it? What are you gonna do? What's gonna happen? You're gonna call the police the police, you know, who's gonna do anything? No one's gonna do anything about it. You know, because a lot of people call themselves plastic surgeons, they're not members of any of the associate. I mean, that, that's the paradox. If they were a member of a, a professional association, the professional association could tell them off. But they're not. A, if they're not a member of a professional association like BARPS or BAPRAS, they can't. There's no one to tell them off. You know, you've got the GMC, but anyway, I don't know whether the. Anyway, so I've looked at this this uh, person, um, uh, and basically what has happened is um, so. What I I tend to go back to is I mean. You'd be surprised. It's hard to know. And I know that sounds might sound a bit fanciful. But do you know what? I've actually written a book on how. No, rephrase that. I've actually written the book on how to choose a plastic surgeon. What's it called, you say? I've got one here. That's what it's called. Never accept a lift from strangers by. Oh, me, Jonathan Stano. Um, so. I've written a book on it, how to choose the best plastic surgeon for your cosmetic breast surgery. I've got the light right on there, have I? Anyway, I've written a book on it. And you might think, why is he written a book on it? Do you need to read it? Well, I have, you do need to write a book on it because it's not easy to find. Because this person, I've just had to Google it and I have to find myself. And basically what, what it is, you're absolutely right um, uh, um, that, that, that they're not on the specialist register. Um, and uh, what I've found is, I've got to say, I would be reassured by the fact that it's the NHS. You might think, what? Private is better than the NHS. When it comes to surgical training, the NHS is better than private. The NHS is more robust about who can do what uh, in the NHS than in the private sector. So you're actually safer uh, in many ways in the NHS in terms of whether you're going to get a properly trained surgeon. The difference with the NHS, you may not get a consultant so you may not get a fully trained surgeon so obviously nhs has trainees so you've got to sort of temper that with the fact that you may have a trainee operating on you but you know you do get senior tra we've all been trainees and um you do get senior trainees but this person that that uh, is in question is actually a staff grade in the nhs so basically you have uh, different levels within the nhs and you have training schemes where you go through house officer senior house officer registrar and then consultant those are the old names for it. They're all like, uh, um, uh, oh God, foundation year one. That's it. Foundation. And they're called FY one foundation year one. And then, and then ST one, I think specialist training one to six or something. Anyway, they've got different names, but anyway, they go through training in the NHS, but there are some jobs in the NHS, which are called non-training grades. So a non-training grade, like a staff grade is often a senior doctor who's very experienced. And that is what this happened in this case. This patient, this, I don't know this person, but he's a, a staff grade in the NHS. So they're senior posts. They uh, are 
often at the level of a consultant. They'll usually have to be um, uh, supervised is the wrong word, but overseen by a, 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 a consultant. But they are sort of independent. They are often very senior. They're often very good, very experienced, um, but they haven't got the credentials to become a consultant in the NHS. So um, some have got there that there is a way of getting to become a consultant if you've been a staff grade for a certain period of time and if you've shown certain things you can get into the consultant grade um but um that's what is this this page this person is is from what i can see uh they're a staff grade and and as i say they're often very experienced and i and i would be reassured by the fact that it's in the nhs although that might sound a bit weird but it, it's actually better uh the training is more strict um they wouldn't the nhs wouldn't let someone who isn't trained in um breast surgery do breast surgery whereas in the private sector anyone can do breast surgery um so yeah um so i, I hope that's answered the question but um but it but i understand how it is difficult but on this occasion uh, I think because it's in the NHS and it looks like he's a staff grade in the NHS, I would take him on his merits. I don't know if you're worried about him, then be worried about him. But if you're not worried about him and he seems like a nice person and seems to have good results and patients seem to like him, then, um, you know, you may well be in very good and very safe hands. Um, what we got? How much does any another 50cc make? 250cc. Makes about 50cc's difference. A little bit that's why we've got the sizes olivia we've got the sizes in the clinic but even then that's until it depends on your frame if you've got a big frame 50 cc's won't mean much if you've got a small frame 50 cc's might mean something um but we have got sizes in the clinic Khan, i always recommend your book Khan, you're a legend you know that um but nhs part patients aren't choosing surgeons sadly i mean i think that's one of the issues with the nhs well not i'd say an issue but it's one of the things i'll say you know, about the nhs even if you have a consult well you will have a consultant you will be under a consultant in the nhs who is a fully trained doctor in whatever the appropriate specialty is but you might not have the consultant operate on you that's the, you might have uh, someone else operate on you but the consultant will be ultimately responsible for your care but you can't guarantee the consultant will do the surgery that's the NHS. That's the thing. But the, as I say, training, they will make sure that the consultant will be fully trained. You cannot be an NHS consultant without being you know, a fully trained uh, plastic surgeon or cardiologist or respiratory physician or whatever this problem that you've got, you know. So actually, the benchmark of being a fully trained surgeon is an NHS consultant. So having written a book about how to choose a surgeon, another way you could say it is, are they... An NHS consultant, or have they been one? I always put in, or have they been one? Because, like, I'm not one, I but I have been one. I used to be one, and I left. Um, so, are they a, a, a substantive, a permanent NHS consultant? Uh, and uh, I held a post in uh, Birmingham for five years uh, as a permanent NHS consultant in breast surgery was my specialty. So, I did breast reconstruction after mastectomy was my um uh thing that i did but uh it's not all about me uh let's crack on what's the next question you say well i'll tell you what the next question is does my voice sound a bit <clears throat> croaky i feel like it i feel like it sounds so croaky um right what we got i'll tell you what we got we've got this 
sponsors this. FTL on the 18th of December. How mobile will I be for Christmas? Will I be up to cooking, etc.? Are you crazy? 18th of December, will I be up for cooking after an FDL? FDL being fleur de abdominoplasty. No. No. Nowhere near. You won't be up to cooking a week later. It's a week later. Oh, I'm missing something here. 18th of December, Christmas, 25th. No. A lot of people want surgery around Christmas time. I, I can sort of understand it because you have time off work and stuff. But and fleur de abdominoplasty is very big. You know, it's a big deal. So, um, no, you won't be doing the Christmas dinner. I mean, you'll probably be okay to come downstairs. <laughs> That's about as far as it goes. You'll probably be bent over. You'll be sore. It'll hurt when you cough. Um, you'll have... You know, you'll have um, a binder on. You may or may not have dressings on. It's a week later. You know, you will be pretty... Um, I mean, you'll be walking around. You'll be pottering around. But you will not be in any position to do the Christmas dinner. That is utter madness. Three weeks, four weeks before you start getting into stuff, give yourself a break. Let yourself recover for the first few weeks. Christmas is sitting watching the telly for you i mean keep moving because i don't want you getting your dvt but um definitely not doing the christmas dinner so don't beat yourself up about it don't worry about it don't think oh, i might be okay let everyone know now take the pressure off yourself you are not doing the christmas dinner so either someone else has to do it or you get a microwave meal or something but uh No, say no to the Christmas dinner. Beans on toast. Yes, beans on toast. Exactly. You might be up to doing beans on toast. So it depends on what we're talking about with Christmas dinner. If you're talking about beans on toast, you are the, you are, you might be up to that. But that's about as far as it goes, my friend. God, 18th of December. Christmas, come on. Have a word with yourself. Come on. My little croaky, <clears throat> Olivia, I feel, I feel, I think this has only just come on just now. I feel. I was all right a minute ago. Anyway, I have a, I had a tummy tuck 12 months ago and now have a big bulge under my belly button. I can only see it when I lie down and raise my legs or lift my head off the pillow. It's hard and the size of a golf ball. It doesn't hurt, but I am worried that the muscle repair has come undone. So am I. Yeah. Yep. Sounds like the muscle repair might come down. So what you've done there is what you are... Um, uh, doing when you raise your head off the um, off the off the bed or you lift your legs, both of those things are tensing your muscle, tensing the rectus abdominis muscle. And it's when you tense the rectus abdominis muscle, if they're not like like that, if there's a gap between them, that's when you get the bulge, the abdominal contents bulging through. So it all fits with it being a uh, a, a, a divarification of the rectus muscles, the recti muscles. Um, so uh, divarification is just a fancy word for meaning that they're not they're not next to each other. Um, and this is something that we repair during the tummy tuck. We bring them together during the tummy tuck. So certainly this is a new. <clears throat> I need some water. <clears throat> a new thing. 
or you've just noticed it, uh, it may be that the, the repair has come undone. And that's something I would be a bit concerned about if you are, um, I mean, you're, you're, you're describing the symptoms beautifully of, uh, you know, it's fine when I'm just sort of standing normally or, 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 or lying normally. But then when I tense the muscles by lifting my head up or lifting my legs up, uh, there's a bulge. <clears throat> yep. Could be diver, uh, could be the muscle repairs come, come uh, undone. And what you, what I would do is I feel where the bulge is. And when you're lying at rest, you probably can't feel anything and then tense your muscles. So lift your head up or lift you do a straight leg raise with both your legs and feel that bulge coming out. And that would suggest that it's those muscles tensing and then the intra-abdominal contents bulging out. So, um, yep. It sounds like, I don't know what that is. Don't know what that is. Some kind of emoji. Don't know. Mini tummy tuck with muscle repair. So, sounds simple, doesn't it? Yeah. So I've just said about the muscle repair. So when your rectus abdominis muscles, your, your, your six pack muscles, when they get stretched, weight loss and, and children, the two things that do it, they can become slightly uh, apart. Uh, say we call it divarification of the recti, recti muscles, uh, and that can create a bulge. Now that bulge is usually above the belly button. So, um, and, and at a time of a tummy tuck, a full tummy tuck, we go up above the belly button all the way up to the rib cage. We have to do that in, in order to get the wound closed. And we often usually would repair that, uh, that uh, divarification of the rectus muscles, recti muscles. The problem is that when you have a mini tummy tuck, a mini tummy tuck, you don't go above the belly button. That's the problem. Uh, one of the benefits of a mini tummy tuck is you don't get a scar around the belly button, which you get with a full tummy tuck. You get a shorter scar uh, in the lower abdomen and you don't get a scar around the belly button. So um, that's a that's a benefit because people say, do you want a scar on your belly button? Well, no, I don't really. Thank you very much. So it's a benefit of a mini tummy tuck. But because you don't make a scar in the belly button, you don't go past the belly button. You don't go north of the belly button with a mini tummy tuck. So you can't get to the muscle above the belly button and it's usually the muscle above the belly button that's that's the problem with the with the, with the, the bulge and the diverification so if someone's asking for a mini tummy tuck with muscle repair um they've probably got a bulge above the belly button so it's difficult now i haven't said it's impossible it's difficult so it could be possible by doing what we call floating the belly button. And that means transecting the stalk of the belly button, cutting the stalk of the belly button. And then you can sail past and go up underneath like a submarine underneath the skin um, and get up north of the belly button. But that means you've floated the belly button. The belly button will then pull down. Um, and then if you did go on to have children or put away or whatever, and for any, any reason want to have a full tummy tuck, then uh, the, the belly button would probably die if you cut around it because it's been transected at the stalk and the, uh, it's only attached to the, the abdominal wall by scar. So you'd have to um, uh, make sure that you had, you know, as, as a surgeon, you'd be aware of that if you're doing the full tummy tuck in the future. Um, and even if you did float the belly button, even if you did transect the base, it would still be difficult to get up there to get up to the rib cage because you'll get you're starting from way low down um, and it would still be difficult so that's the only way you could do it um, potentially by floating the belly button but 
as a sort of sound bite, the easiest thing is to say is that you can't have muscle repair with a mini tummy tuck. That's the easiest thing to say. But if you say, look, I really want a mini tummy tuck with a muscle repair, then it could be possible, but it's not easy. And, um, but it's an interesting concept and interesting, uh, you know, if you haven't got, cause some people haven't got enough for a full tummy tuck. Some people just cannot have a full tummy tuck. You may not be a candidate for a full tummy tuck. So I understand where you're coming from, because if you can't have a full tummy tuck and you need a muscle repair, where do you go? What do you do? Mini tummy tuck with muscle repair. That's what you do. But as I say, it's difficult. I think I made that clear. Um, so um, a little also hug, is it? Donatella? <laughs> Donatella. Okay. Donatella. <laughs> Can't see my scar on my lovely belly button. You gave me. Look at that. Thanks, Donatella. <laughs> um, that's that's the sort of um, that's the sort of spontaneous publicity we need. People coming in live uh, with boats of confidence. When I mean to be honest with you, it is it is a thing when you do a full tummy tuck. How you inset the belly button, it is a almost like a specialty in its own thing. And uh, there's loads of different ways you can inset the belly button. When you're putting the belly button back in onto the tummy tuck because obviously potentially that's the only scar you can see because the um lower scar is is down hidden in your in your trousers and in your uh, and in your underwear so obviously the belly button scar is potentially visible so um there's a lot of work gone into how to how to uh, make the belly button look as good as you can and i've written a paper on it uh, and when I wrote the paper on it, I found loads of other papers written on it. There's loads of people written on it. And we try and hide the scar inside the inside the belly button. So it's not sort of obvious on the outside. So uh, it's obviously worked with Donatella. Yes, I do know you, Donatella. I do know you. I know Donatella very well. Nice to see you here this evening. Um, so, um, so, yes. Um, so... Where are we up to? Look at that. We're on the last question. Hold on a minute. Olivia's straight in. Come on, Olivia. This is what we want. This is what we need. Listen, guys, Olivia's mum had a large umbilical hernia and she didn't have a belly button at all afterwards. Yeah, I can believe it, Olivia. You can. For e I mean, the belly button is a scar. It's a scar from the umbilical cord. And so um, if you're doing a big, if you've got a big umbilical hernia, um, and you close it under tension, you might kill the blood supply to the belly button. And if you've got someone who's got a massive abdominal apron and just needs that abdominal apron removed, the easiest thing to do, uh, what we will call a toilet procedure, just uh, think about it. Is, Don, is Donatella your? Is that the real? Is that is that is that the real name? And we just call you the shortened version. Or anyway, um, so. Um, so yeah, if you, it's it's not it's 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 a it's a thing to 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 just remove the belly button, um, uh, but uh, it's more in sort of surgery which is trying to fix another problem. You just say, look, just get rid of the belly button because you don't need it, sort of thing. <clears throat> in my world, it's mainly cosmetic the surgery. So cosmetically, it's not great if you don't have a belly button. It looks a bit strange. The abdominal contour looks a bit weird without a belly button. But um, certainly it's a, it's a thing that we can remove belly buttons and 
Um, sometimes people who are born with abdominal defects and things don't have belly buttons. Um, so we can re recreate them again when looking at the paper and all the research uh, I've done around belly buttons. You can you can make a new belly button and repair the belly button. There's a surgeon overseas with his tummy tucks. He routinely throws the belly button away and just makes a new one and just makes it anywhere he wants. He doesn't even bother keeping the, the, the stalk. He just recreates a new one. Um, not standard, but uh, he gets fantastic, beautiful results. So, um, uh, hold on a minute. What's going on here now? Donatella. Donatella's an alias. Ah, secret safe with me, Donatella. You know me. Mum's the word. Um, after facial surgery, how long before you can sunbathe, please? Right. Well, um, the problem with facial surgery is the scars are on your face. And so your face is exposed to sun. And so that is an issue. So you, it's difficult to cover it up. Now, the first thing I've got to say to you, Donatella, is sunbathing is not good. So that's the that's the rider. And I know you're going to say, yeah, yeah, come on, get on with it. I'm like, OK, right. Well, sunbathing is not good. Um, so you shouldn't be sunbathing because it's not good for your skin. But um, if you are, the worry with sunbathing and scars, which is basically what we're looking at here, is that the scars will become pigmented. You'll get a tan. And if you have a scar which is active and you tell the scar is active by it being red. If the scar is red and you get a tan on it and then you lose the tan, the scar stays brown. So you end up with a with a pigmented scar. So you want to wait for the scar to be not red anymore. And that is variable how long that takes. I normally say three to six months. It can take longer. But, you know, three to six months is a, is a ballpark. Once that scar has faded uh, and is no longer red and is no longer active, then you can get a tan on it. So until then, you don't you need to not get a tan on it. Now, obviously, you can walk in the sun and things, but just don't get a tan on it. High protection sunblock wide brim hats, reapplying the sun cream, being sensible, things like that. So you can go to sunny places, but just don't get a tan on it while it's red because it's just a nightmare because then you lose the tan, you end up with these brown scars. It doesn't look good. So yeah, three to six months is the um, answer to that one, Donatella. Um, so for the lady with the miss, the MR, not Mr. Okay. I know my abbreviations here. Put it in small there, Carl. I'm trying to catch me out, but um for the mr that's muscle repair that has come undone is it a big op to repair uh yeah it is khan let me just see what the what the question was again where was it below the belly where is it Khan? i've got a big budge under my belly button so that's better khan that it's under the belly button that's good so if it's south of the belly button because if it was north of the belly button it's a blooming nightmare to repair because it's really hard to get up north of the belly button you know as a revision when you do a tummy tuck it's all open and it's really easy to get all the way up to the rib cage when you do a tummy tuck because the wound is open to here so it's not that far to get up to the belly but up to the rib cage but when it's all closed down if you then go in through the pubic area because you, you you don't want a scar on your on your tummy to repair it you want to have it repaired through the same scar if you had to cut the scar and then somehow get like i was saying about the mini tummy tuck, the muscle repair to try and get up north above the belly button is an absolute nightmare tell don't, don't i don't have to tell you well maybe i do have to tell you i'm telling you so there you go there it is i've told you um so uh but this is below the belly button so that's good it's below the belly button so it's less of a big deal but it's quite a big deal i mean general anesthetic i would have thought uh which was how big the bulge is i suppose i mean but um yeah pro pro probably general anesthetic open up the scar 
the tummy tuck scar and then go up and you'd have to sort of dissect it all up you'd have to leave it did, he, did we say how long it was you have to oh 12 months yeah fine so you've left it 12 months so yeah it's um moderate i'd say Khan. moderate quite easy when you're there just put some more stitches in uh, but you know general aesthetic fresh scar quite a big fresh scar because you've got to think you've got to get up there so it's like a like a triangle if you can imagine you can't do a little narrow tunnel and then get your stitches in you have to sort of widen it out so your scar will have to be opened a bit to, to get up there if that makes sense am i making sense i don't know this all makes sense up here but roseanne says hi hi roseanne good to see you donatella says thank you thank you donatella um i can't i can't see that picture donatella what is that picture your uh, profile picture right here we go what we got here now team is the last question okay so hot sweet tea in a minute unless there's any other questions because if there are get them in more the merrier get them in no problem at all but in the absence of that we're on the last one i'm going to string it out give you time to think about some questions um what this question says is hi i hope it's not too late to ask a question because jimmy just put it on the facebook just now uh, on your live stream so no it's not too late um oh, it was before the thing started baby anyway. will the amount of fat held in the lower stomach affect the results of a tummy tuck my bmi is 27 but my main issue is lower stomach around my hips i've lost nine stone what i've lost nine stone i've lost nine stone but my stomach is just not budging stone well done you goodness me i saw the question i didn't really bridge it to the nine stone thing um brilliant so what's the question again will will, will the fat held in the lower stomach affect the result um right i'm going to say no so basically when you have a tummy tuck you you, you your fat the excess fat is always well not always but um but yeah always predominantly in the lower abdomen so from the belly button down is always worse than the belly button up so people sometimes talk about reverse abdominoplasties which is taking the belly the, the fat from the belly button up now i don't know of a reverse, reverse abdominoplasty is rare and i don't know of anyone having a reverse abdominoplasty who hasn't already had an abdominoplasty you know i've never seen anyone who needs a reverse abdominoplasty who doesn't need an abdominoplasty more it's always the lower abdomen is worse than the upper abdomen so yeah will the amount of fat held in the lower stomach affect the results so yeah it'll be good it'll be good i mean it will be a good result i mean if you have i mean you've lost nine stone so you you're an amazing person so well done you but if you want to lose weight it's always best to lose weight before having surgery but um the, the surgery will dramatically affect that because it will remove all the fat in the lower abdomen and the only thing i would say is it doesn't take the fat out from the intra-abdominal fat so this is something sometimes people get hung up on so sometimes people who are fat who, who have been fat ha, uh, um, sort of um, retain fat or, 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 or develop fat intra-abdominally in what's called their omentum in inside their abdomen where their stomach and their liver and their spleen are um, so we don't do anything to that fat when we do a tummy tongue we only take the skin the cutaneous fat the fat that's superficial to the abdominal wall away so if you have got intra-abdominal fat if you have got roundness um what we call centripetal obesity sometimes people get with steroids and things uh, and around you can get rid of the fat on a uh, superficial to the abdominal wall but you might still have some roundness and look like you feel like you're quite round and not be happy 
So that's something to think about, something that we would assess. Um, it's not always obvious, but it's, I'm not sure if that's what you mean by your um, fat held in the lower stomach. I'm not sure if that's what you mean, um, that you've got intra-abdominal fat. Um, I'm taking it to mean you've got fat in the lower part of your abdomen, which is what everyone has who needs a tummy tuck. So, uh, but if it is intra-abdominal fat, then that will affect your result and you won't get as good a result because we can't do anything about that. Weight loss could help that. I don't want to say that to you because you've lost nine stone. You've got to be in my 27. So you're an amazing person and you probably haven't got much weight to lose. But um, if, if you do have significant intra-abdominal fat, weight loss might help. And there's nothing surgical we can do because you're not going to go into your abdomen to remove the fat. That's just not a good thing because that's a big deal when you enter an abdomen. Uh, we don't enter the abdomen when we do a tummy tuck. So uh, Olivia says, well done. Um, she talking to me, doing to me, Olivia. I don't think you are. I think you're talking to the nine stone weight loss. Yeah, well done. I agree. You're talking to me for a minute. Donatella says, I think she means the same as I had before TT. Well, if that case, you will get a good result then. Uh, if it's the same as what Donatella had before TT, um, the sort of lower abdominal. I think I think she means that as well, Donatella. Yeah, I think you mean the lower abdominal fullness, uh, which will then be improved with a TT. So I think you'd be I think you'd be all right. So, oh, look at that. Nicole's in. Love it. Thank you. I did add a little extra comment to, to question the type of fat it may be. Oh, did you? Because I feel a bit bad. I said, I, I did feel a bit bad because I said it's never too late. When you asked the question, I, I said it's never too late. But then subsequently, that, I haven't been back and checked. So probably it is, it is it's not right to say it's never too late because obviously it is. it was too late that you added something right let me just so have you added something then to the to the to the message i will find it i don't know what's happening the camera is the camera still on me while i'm looking at these so um you could just put the message here of course but no let's let's go god what inbox is all full of things what's going on in the inbox it's kicking off here we go just in case here we go Right. I said it's never too late. And I didn't. And then I ignored your second question. So that bit was too late, but it's not too late because I'm looking at it now. Just in case it's necessary to add my waist, upper abdomen is 14 inches smaller than my hips right now. So upper abdomen is not particularly large. Well, that's good because intra-abdominal fat is sort of like a, a barrel shaped uh, abdomen. So if your upper abdomen is not large, then that goes against the thing being intra-abdominal fat. Um, my stomach is also very soft and pinchable. There doesn't appear to be any hard fat there. Yeah, it's not hard. None of it's hard fat. Hope this helps. Thanks again. So, um, yeah, that does help. Thank you for that extra bit. And I did um, I did not see it. So it was, I shouldn't have said it's never too late. <laughs> um, but uh, that is actually good. If your upper abdomen is narrow and it's just you feel like obviously the lower abdomen is is pretty much always worse because of gravity. We're, we're erect uh, um, mammals. You know, we walk. We walk erect, and so everything goes hmm? Hmm? breasts, face, tummy, everything goes south. So, uh, yeah, that's good. So, maybe it's not intra-abdominal fat, maybe it's what Donatella had, and just a bit of fullness in the lower abdomen, which would be addressed with a tummy tuck. And uh, well done for the uh, massive weight loss, nine stone. You, but I bet people don't recognize you crazy. So, uh, listen, everyone, Olivia's got to go. Okay, so just uh, we'll just say goodbye to Olivia. See you later, Olivia. Uh, thanks for coming. And um, I haven't got to go, but I am going to go because I've run out of questions. 
So, um, yeah, so I will go. I've got to do whatever I want, free person. But I will, I should go, shouldn't I, really? I don't want to outstay my welcome. I don't want to look like I've got nothing to do because I've got a lot, I'm a busy guy, got a lot to do, always got a lot on. So, um, I'm going to go and do the, 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 all the busy, important things that I've got to do now. I'm a uh, busy guy and let's just you do likewise if you've got any questions please uh, feel free to ask away it's never too late because even if it was too late I'd have answered it next week and uh, I will be here next Tuesday night at seven o'clock I expect you to be here too so I'm going to check myself out and um, and my battery's running out on my computer so that's good good timing happy days thank you Nicole thank you Olivia and um, I am going to now turn off and go and put my feet up with a hot sweet tea and broadcast run vt have a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag ask jj we'd love to hear from you